Hardcore fans, in a special event held once a month, we will now see two of our horror experts take the side of a horror icon and in a formal debate, determine who would win in an epic showdown to the death. I am your ring host, JL, and this is Bloodbath. Take it away, ring announcer. We have a slimy slobber knocker tonight, people. Two titans of consumption will meet head-to-head to the death. On my right, represented by weak and horror host Eugene, hailing from a distant galaxy and looking for a warm place to hide. You've got to be fucking kidding me. The Thing! And to my left, represented by weak and horror host Alex, it came from space, and it's hungry as hell. The all-consuming, never-assuming, it's the Blob! The official time and rule keeper for our debate will be Week in Horror contributor Angela. Thank you, JL. Okay, um, do they have ears? Whatever, keep the tentacles and tendrils above the belt and let's have a clean fight. Each debater will have one minute to present their opening statement, then three minutes to present their three best points. Afterwards, the debaters will get three minutes to rebut the points from their opponent. Then each will get one minute to make their closing statement. As a previous debate winner, Eugene will call the coin toss in the air. Winner of the toss determines the lead. I'm going to call tails. Coin toss. It's heads. And may the best villain win. Time will commence when you begin speaking. You have one minute. And let's make sure you know, Alex, you get to choose who goes first. Who goes first? Ah, this is a tough one. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give it up to Eugene first this time. You know, I was was hoping, I was hoping you're going to let me go first. (laughs) That's fine, because afterwards you won't even need to hear Alex's argument. (laughs) And the smack talk begins. (laughs) Okay, time will commence when you begin speaking. You have one minute. I'd like to take you to a place, um... Back in 1982, which one comes from one of the best horror films ever, ever. John Carpenter brings us the thing, right? Something so, so powerful, so destructive that it doesn't even have a name. It's just simply known as just the thing because there is no word that can culminate everything that it can do right it terrorizes two camps right and its powers are still unlimited we still do not know everything that it is capable of it can hide in plain sight it can jump out and attack whatever whenever that it sees fit and you have to destroy every single cell Thank you, Eugene. Alex, you have one minute. All right. Make some good points there, Eugene. But what is more terrifying than a gelatinous, mutated science experiment gone wrong that devours flesh in moments and only grows larger as it consumes everyone in its path? I mean, my ex-wife comes to mind, but that's a whole different story. But other than that... There is nothing organic that we know of that can stop the so far unkillable, relentless, ever-consuming 
blob. It might be just a blob on the outside, but on the inside is where the thing is going to go. Yield the rest of my time. Okay, thank you, Alex. Okay, Eugene, you have three minutes to state your three points. So, the thing can actually attack the blob in multiple ways. First of all, it can go down to a cellular level, right? The thing is comprised of cells that can work independently to, and also together, which means with its assimilating ability, it can have the ability to simply touch the blob, assimilate its cells, and then the blob itself becomes a thing in which the thing can control. Now, the blob does have the ability, all its cells have the ability to digest things, and all it takes is part of it and can constantly kind of digest. But the thing's ability to clone and assimilate cells can make it so that the rest of the blob cells won't even realize that there's a foreign entity there before it starts taking over and starts controlling the blob. Second of all, the thing is that the thing is a sentient life form. It can fly a spaceship. It can operate weapons. And even in the 1982s, the thing, it was building a spaceship to possibly leave. So if it can't attack, attack it on a cellular level, right, which all it takes is a salt sample, that doesn't work, it can start utilizing weapons to defeat it. Things such as, what was like I think, fire extinguishers and liquid nitrogen and stuff like that that can go and freeze a blob. And you can just do exactly what it did in the movies. You freeze it and you just move it to Antarctica. And finally, right, if, say, the first two things don't work or it needs more people or needs anything like that, right, the thing can just run off and assimilate the world first. It's faster than the blob in any way. There's a reason why the blob takes place in some American small town and the thing takes place in Antarctica because if it took the thing took place inside of any habitable continent anywhere in the world, there was no feasible way to stop it at all whatsoever. So what it can do is assimilate the world, right? And it gains the knowledge of species that is assimilated and then use the weapons that we have against it, which people have been able to defeat the ball. So those are the three ways that I can win. I yield the rest of my time. Okay. Thank you, Eugene. All right, Alex, you have three minutes to state your three points. All right, solid points. Uh, the blob, just being the blob, and you make it sound so easy to be able to defeat something that feels no pain or, you know, keeps growing, consumes flesh. Uh, my my first point is going to be the fact that it just keeps growing. Every time it consumes a person, it gets bigger, and you can't stop that. And if in a world where they are in an actual city and he keeps consuming people and keeps growing and growing. It's not going to be long before he's so big. He can just kind of scoot around and take out everything in its path. Um, my second point being it can consume organic material people, which the thing is organic material. As far as we know, it's fleshy. It's it assimilates to the cellular makeup of a person. So it wouldn't, take more than you getting close enough with a fire extinguisher for the blob to consume the thing. Um, the coming down to the, the being able to just take over the blob 
in the blob. And if you watch the blob and the thing, the blob actually absorbs humans faster than the thing can assimilate. So when it comes down to it time-wise, all the blob would have to do would wait for the thing to try to touch it. And it would be able to break down its cells faster than its cells would be able to assimilate. Um, the, the thing feels no pain. So hitting it with anything isn't going to hurt it. And I mean, as far as we know, it's not even cellular. Like there's really not a whole lot of information in the movies, at least in the the eighties blob that says that it's actually cellular. It was just a, a, a science experiment gone wrong. So when it comes down to it, it's going to grow huge. It's going to consume all the assimilated people and it's just going to do it faster than the thing would ever be able to, to do. And, uh, and honestly, I yield the rest of my time. <laughs> okay. Thank you. All right, Eugene, you now have three minutes for your rebuttal. You did. You brought up some really good points and you know, of course, you know, it, <clears throat> things like, you know, it feels no pain, stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's so difficult to hurt it in any way. One of the things is that it grows, one of the things you mentioned is that it grows larger and larger, which it does. It assimilates, it takes over and adds to its mass. The more it eats, the larger and larger and larger it gets. But the problem is, is that it has to keep eating and it has to keep feeding to that. So if the thing, right, if the thing isn't able to assimilate it on a cellular level right off the bat, it can move quicker, move faster because it can simulate people and move at the speed of people. It can use vehicles, right? Because it, it flew a spaceship. So it's able to move faster. It will simulate the world quicker than the blob, than the blob can grow and then can use things, you know, things like fire extinguishers, liquid nitrogen, anything that humans have at their disposal to fight it. You know, it's already proven that things like, you know, um, certain things don't work on it, but it can be frozen. And so the thing, after simulated enough people, would have the ability to freeze it using human technology. And then second of all, you know, you talked about how the thing can only assimilate people. Well, the thing can assimilate just about anything. In fact, we don't even know the true shape of the thing because even the alien that was found in Antarctica isn't doesn't necessarily have to be what the actual thing looks like. It could be an alien race that was assimilated by the thing. In fact, they could have assimilated the entire race of that planet and then put into spaceships to fly out to assimilate other planets. The thing can have the actual capabilities. So we actually don't really know the extent of the organic matter that the thing can assimilate. In fact, you know, the thing can start assimilating dogs, cats, animals, all this other kind of stuff. I mean, we saw it is the first thing assimilated in the thing in 1982 was a dog kind of thing. And then also on top of that, it's able to store the genetic information of every single creature that is ever assimilated. That's why it's able to use teeth and claws and all this other kind of stuff. So it is able to get a sample of the blob and assimilate it. Then the thing would have the blob capabilities on top of that and can use that against the blob. And I yield the rest of my time. Okay. Thank you, Eugene. Alex, you now have three minutes for your rebuttal. All right. 
yes, yes, it can. The thing can assimilate to dogs and cats and whatever. And uh, it doesn't, even if it assimilated, it took a sample of the blob and assimilated to the blob. I mean, then you just got two blobs, which would kind of be a stalemate because no matter what the thing is going to throw at it, it's going to be able to break down that organic material faster than the thing is going to be able to assimilate. Or if it assimilates to the blob, then the blob can't really consume itself. So I think that kind of just ends in a stalemate on that argument. Uh, yes, you could get the world assimilated a little bit faster, but it still comes down to not being able to the only thing that you could do would be to freeze the blob which i mean you'd have to go to antarctica anyways and the thing didn't do so well in the cold either um and when it comes to the the spaceship uh it was kind of a, a tiny spaceship it was kind of primitive i guess if if you will for an alien to and where was he going i mean was he running away from earth was he afraid of humans because the blob eats humans so if there is a weakness in humans to the thing the blob's prey is what the thing is trying to get away from. Kind of, it kind of seems like he'd just be chickened out. I, I think he's afraid. He's scared. But uh, being able to consume any organic material and grow, and if the thing touched him at all, if the thing even tried to assimilate, as soon as the thing touched the blob, he'd start deteriorating. When it comes down to it, he's going to wrap him up, he's going to dissolve him in acid, and he's going to move on to the rest of the world world domination because that's apparently what he's after is to just eat everything and he will he cannot be stopped you might be able to slow him down or freeze him but like we saw you know there's always a return he comes back i guess he gets frozen again but if that's your only defense it's kind of a weak one because he will always find a way to come back and eat the shit out of anything in its way and the thing is definitely in its way yield my time okay thank you alex all right, Eugene, you now have one minute for a closing statement. So, <clears throat> I'd like to end on a couple of points right here. You know, first of all, the spaceship that he was building, we, we don't know where he was going. He wasn't necessarily running or anything like that. He'd be going looking for a more populated area. The ship crashed in Antarctica, which is not where he was obviously trying to go. And in terms of dealing inside the cold kind of thing, yeah, when it first crashed, we don't know the conditions and where it was frozen at. But when it started taking over both camps so quickly, it seemed to be doing just fine. It wasn't struggling. It didn't freeze or anything like that. So we don't know how long it takes for it to freeze. But all I'm saying is that the thing right here, the thing is the ultimate creature. It is the ultimate villain. And the blob does not stand a chance against it at all whatsoever. I'm just saying it's unanimous. The winner is going to be the thing. Hands down. Time. Okay. Thank you, Eugene. Um, Alex, you now have one minute for your closing statement. Okay. Okay. So what it comes down to here is the blob is superior in its simplicity it doesn't need all the technology. It doesn't need to assimilate. It doesn't need to change to be able to devour and destroy. It is in itself a devastating creature, as simple as it is. 
I believe it is more devastating than the thing. It doesn't need to reach for the guns. It doesn't need to find more intelligence to be able to outsmart its opponent. All it does is eat. That is what it is bred to do, essentially. And so when it comes down to it, while the thing is running around scrambling, trying to find guns and weapons and stuff to do, the blob is slowly going to be taking over the world. And by the time the thing actually finds a way to defeat the blob, it's going to be way too late, way too big, and it's going to be able to just consume the thing and everything else in the world. Yield my time. Time. Perfect. All right, gentlemen. Okay, that was good. That was very, very good points. So, um, okay, I gotta say, I've selected a winner. <laughs> it's been determined. <laughs> um, it's on two strong points. Angela, what did you think? You know, <laughs> you both had really uh, good arguments. This has been a uh, a fight that um, JL and I have discussed before. Um, so. <laughs> Um, but Alex, you so you're biased. Up, no, <laughs> no, I am an innocent bystander. <laughs> uh, but Alex, you actually brought up some points about the blob that I hadn't heard before about him being able to move uh, more quickly in basically digesting the thing. Yes, the side by side had to watch it side by side with the start of assimilation from the thing and then start of absorption. On the blob, and the blob always came out on top. Nice. Well, they were both excellent arguments. Um, and it was kind of neck and neck there for a second. But it was pretty. It, it was a pretty hands-down win when one thing was brought up. So um, the winner that I believe, and I think Angela agrees with me on this, is the thing. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> now... While both of you came up with ex- excellent, excellent points, there is one thing, what, what this is settled on, what uh, from Eugene's argument, and from what we saw, is that the one thing the thing has over the blob is while both creatures, whatever, they, uh, whatever the, the thing assimilates and whatever the blob um, absorbs, they add to their collective biomass. So the thing effectively gets bigger, the more things it it assimilates okay into itself or it can be separate individual deals but it can but the main body body like the big thing can keep absorbing things into itself and make itself larger and larger and larger and larger the blob does the same thing the more organic material it consumes the bigger the uh, bigger it gets the problem is is that the thing while it can break off sections of itself to go operate independently the thing's biomass retains all of the memory and intelligence of everything that it's ever consumed, especially sentient creatures. And if it absorbs a single person, if a single person is infected by, like, say, a smaller thing or a cell, okay, like if it gets into their food, that person would be assimilated into a freestanding thing that has all the memories and intelligence of that individual plus whatever the cell that infected it brought with it. And then if need be to defend itself, it breaks open and the thing comes out. And that's where the blob kind of fails, is that the blob does not have a collective intelligence. It does get bigger and bigger, but it moves very slowly. It's just kind of unstoppable. It's also immune to fire and immune to conventional weaponry because it, it, it has no internal organs to damage. The only thing that hurts it is the cold, and the cold stops it in its tracks. 
a fire extinguisher it couldn't even bypass a fire extinguisher in the in the 80s remake so it literally or it, like when it was coming under the door into the freezer it couldn't even enter into the freezer it literally hit the cold and then backed off immediately and they were safe in the freezer whereas the thing the thing requires sub-zero temperatures in order to go into hibernation where it's still active, it's still waiting. It just needs to be thawed out, and then the minute it thaws out, as we saw in the in the prequel in 2011, we saw in the prequel the minute the thing thawed out, it was instantly active. So it can actually be frozen deep solid and still remain there. I don't understand morning people. What do you mean? <laughs> it just instantly becomes active. <laughs> instantly <laughs> wakes up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Nah. Given so, given that the the thing has a uh, has many legs up, uh-huh. the <laughs> thing has a few legs up on the blob simply because the cold doesn't shut it down completely, and the blob actually freezes and ceases all metabolic function, and then has to thaw out completely before it really becomes dangerous again, sure. and it's very very slow, okay. whereas the thing can infect multiples across the board and with that collective intelligence would be able to eventually utilize weaponry against the the blob which is pretty much once they figured out that cold stops it stops it dead in its tracks the thing would have no problem being able to utilize its collective intelligence to be able to do that just as it was just as in the original movie in the john carpenter film it was using the intelligence it was using its its uh originally assimilated knowledge that it put into Wilford Brimley's character um, and because he was assimilated and through him was building a spacecraft or was building a new craft in order to get out of Antarctica and get to probably a more populated area. So obviously um, his character didn't know um, his character didn't know how to build a spaceship but with having been assimilated he suddenly did. Which you have been that, assimilated. Yeah. Resistance is so, futile. And and we see that the that the blob when it freezes loses all metabolic function. It is it essentially stops doing whatever it's doing and kind of crystallizes, which means any cellular function it has ceases to ceases to uh, persist until it completely thaws out. And when it's but those cells are still there, frozen or not, they can still be assimilated. Because that's what the thing does. And that would be the thing's opening. Attack it with something that shuts the blob down, with the, uh, most likely like they did in the 80s film. Hit it with a, uh, hit it with a, a liquid nitrogen uh, truck. Or like doused it in liquid nitrogen. I can't, I can't remember exactly how they finished that out. And then once frozen, then it can be assimilated. Or And even then, if not, if it couldn't assimilate it, then they would just dump it in a super frozen area where it basically will never move again. And they would contain it because at this point, because we saw in the original thing that it would take less than five years for the thing to have completely assimilated the planet. Well, then that is 7.8 billion humans that or at the time, I think it was like five, a little over five billion humans. There's no way the blob would have the opportunity because all you have to do is stay away from it and it can't break it while well, well, you well, it, it can be broken in half and broken apart and each part will still try to consume each part doesn't have individual intelligence or a desire to survive it simply consumes is all it does without that survival instinct the thing has the has the hand has the upper hand fair fight 
Yeah. But very, very good. No, it was, I was, a, I was, it was a really of... good fight. And like I said, Alex, you brought up points that I, I hadn't heard before in favor of the blob. So it was really excellent. It's really hard to it's really hard to put something like the blob up against something like the thing, since like they're both effectively like, like I guess I'm not immortal, similar. but they're very similar. Yes, yeah, they're exactly. very unstoppable. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's like if and you get in its it. way, you're food. <laughs> and that's the killer thing is the only thing that hurts the blob that that really shuts down the blob is is cold, and the only thing that hurts the thing is fire. Yeah, or you know, like molecular acid. Like if you hit it with like some hardcore acid, you but you have to kill like, like Eugene said, you have to kill every single cell. Okay, if even one cell escapes, and that cell does have a survival a survival imperative, as we saw with the with McCready's blood test. Okay, even one little bit gets away then it can start it all over again. And you wouldn't even know because that little small bit can infect someone else. And then it just continues on from there. That's Whereas why the social distancing is, is important. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The blob is pretty, the blob is pretty obvious. You know, it's kind of like, Hey, giant purple gelatinous mass rolling down the street. Whereas the thing you did, you, you, you could be in a populated area. You wouldn't even know you were assimilated. Unless you were a Jedi. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I was like, the thing thing has to take place in Antarctica, because if it took place in a a rural town, it would would assimilate the world easily, because you will have part of the thing would break off to try to assimilate the town, and then another piece can break off and go to the next town. And then the next town, and next town, next town, next town, kind of thing. So even if the original town wins, it could assimilate all the towns around it, and then it's surrounded. It would happen quickly. It happened very quickly. Hey, it's it's already over, so I can say like I, I knew where this was going to go in the end because it's like, you know, brain against brawn at that point. Pretty much, brain, yeah. Brain's the only thing, it's the collective intelligence the thing eventually possesses from everything it's assimilated that gives it the gives the upper hand. Because honestly, I don't know, and I've never been able to decide what would happen first. Would the blob digest the thing before the thing sells? could assimilate the blob cells like would those cells be would the thing cells be broken down completely to add to the bobs to the blobs biomass before they could infect the blob cellular structure and begin replacing its own cells i think if the blob caught him off guard it wouldn't it wouldn't even be a fight the blob would take over but if the thing had time like was aware of the blob and had time to like prepare for it i think that's why this one was so hard because it's like it could go either way, you know. Yeah, I, you know, I think I uh, go ahead. Yeah, because I, I think you're right. It's the kind of thing where if I think knowing going into the fight is a difficult fight where the thing could split apart and you know start doing other things while fighting the blob. But I think it's the kind of thing if you took it, let's say, in a vacuum and you put both of them on just a barren plane, kind of thing, and had them go. Like mono e mono, just straight against each other. I honestly think the blob would win in that situation because it's Alex brought up a really good point about its digestibility kind of thing. And when I was doing research on it, I was watching because there were a couple of videos on YouTube and people started talking about it. And almost every video I saw said the blob would assimilate faster than the uh, thing could. You see, and I've watched a few of those videos myself. And to be honest, I think it, it really would depend upon the temperature. Because every time we saw the thing assimilating someone, 
it was always in Antarctica. It was always super cold. And we we don't know that the thing's assimilative ability is reduced by the cold. If there's a speed factor, but if it is, but I mean, even if it is reduced by the cold, that means, but it was still assimilating people really quickly. Yeah. That is true. And it comes like really fast. It comes down to also to like, like you said, it could be temperature. There's a lot of unknowns in the, both of these stories to the point where like, it's one of those things where you just have to, you just have to let it play out. There's no way that we could ever know all the details. And there could be some things like, uh, like temperature, like you said, maybe it, it levels out if they're in warmer temperature. You know, we don't know yeah, exactly maybe. what the blob is made up of. You know, we don't we know, know exactly me- we know what the that thing. metabolic. We know that me- we know scientifically, if we want to put bring science to it, metabolic um, rates increase in the heat. Correct, and they slow in cold. So, if we take the 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 thing's assimilative ability and the blob's digestive ability, and uh, uh, basically strap them both to their metabolisms like the higher the metabolism the more activity that they're capable of then the cold would reduce both but the cold reduces the blob to near zero and the, and if the blob in antarctica would be completely frozen solid the thing in antarctica assimilates relatively quickly usually takes about five minutes to i would say about 10 minutes to assimilate a human being completely now that's 10 minutes in the cold you imagine if it got into a tropical environment, that might be even faster. I think might one be so, thing, so, one thing that uh, Eugene didn't bring up either, and something that I was going to bring up and I, I didn't because I don't know much about what the thing can survive, but like the ocean, not only are there people, like you've got the ocean. So like, you know, one of them was smart enough. They could just hop into the, the ocean hit a fish and then that's it. You got the entire ocean's worth of power behind you then. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ridiculous. Oh yeah. But, but I don't know if the blob, you know, you know, I don't know. But I like that point that Eugene brought up that that's the reason the thing happens in Antarctica, because if it went down in small town, America, (laughs) like most of these monster movies do, (laughs) there'd be no, it would literally be unstoppable. You'd never see it coming. It would have everyone within three years. Unlike the blob was kind of like, hey, the blob, it's a giant purple, you know, giant purple pink thing. And it's right there. And we all we have to do is, you know, maintain a mild sprint. and we can <laughs> <take it. laughs> Travel across the world, you know, once every 15 years and you're good. Well, because and that's one of the things that makes it such an interesting argument is because compared to like the bloodbaths we've done in the past, there's very little actual material on it there's you know we got like with basically two movies plus a couple of older ones you know so you may have resources of like maybe three movies a piece versus some of the other ones we've done where it's like you have a whole tv series you have six seven eight movies that you can reference on i mean it's pretty much two movies on two movies oh yeah i feel you on that because there's only there's with the blob there's only two films there's the there's the uh the one from the 60s and I thought it was the sixties. I think it's in the fifties. Fifties, I think. 50, yeah, and then the re- and then the eighties remake. Yeah, the 80s, That's yeah, it. remake. Whereas the thing, at least the thing, has two movies, um, a video game, and uh, a comic book line, uh, and a very short limited sure comic book uh, series. So that's all it's got. Where they kind of added in a little bit here and there, but they didn't add much to the myth- to you know the mythology of it. 
it was just kind of like at least you had a little bit more like the like the video game added a bit more the comic books added a bit more but lest we know we don't even know what the goddamn thing looks like i think for all intents and purposes i think people have decided that the thing in its actual form is actually a macro virus and the macro virus infects and it, instead of producing more macro viruses, uh, instead of producing more macro viruses, like splitting like a normal virus, it just it just infects a cell and then attacks another cell, and it just keeps re- it keeps taking over each individual cell, and that's what it does. So instead of using like the RNA or using the the DNA of a cell to replicate, it uses the DNA of the cell to attack another cell nearby and then replicate that and then you know obviously then it moves exponentially so but yes gotta give it to eugene that was was so smart the the collective biomass adds to the intelligence which is what is needed to eventually shut down the blob Woo! victory hey that's two in a row for you bud one more you got that hat trick going for the third one (laughs) three (laughs) p And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes another bloodbath. We truly hope you enjoyed it, and if you agree or disagree with the results, feel free to let us know in the comments or by email at weekendhorror at gmail.com. Stay tuned for when we announce our next two combatants. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next month.